On Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz, we take a cinematic excursion through the work of groundbreaking Filipino thespian Vic Diaz. On this episode, we'll be discussing Leslie Nielsen starring action adventure Project Kill from 1976. Welcome to Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz. I'm Liam O'Donnell, and with me as always is the drugged up deadly old man, Doug Tilly. What's up, Doug? How you doing? <laughs> drugged up deadly old man. That's a reference to the movie we're going to be talking about today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Did you know, Doug, that if you give old white men enough drugs, they suddenly become deadly weapons of death? Did you know I mean, that? I, I did know that, but usually not hand-to-hand combat. Usually <laughs> using their vehicle or something like that. Yeah, uh, Liam, I, look, I hate weather talk, even though we do it a lot on our various podcasts, but I know that both of us have experienced since our last recording the first snowfall of the year. That's true. Mine was on Halloween. Was yours on Halloween? Mine was on the day before Halloween, mm. uh, and then Halloween itself was just rainy as opposed to snowy. Maybe we got a little snow in the in the morning. How about that? How do you feel about that, Liam? Uh, October snow. It's one of the things about living in the Chicago area I hate Yeah, uh, <laughs> is the idea that October kind of shits the bed at the last bit. Not always. There's been October. I, I don't mind if it's cold on Halloween, but the idea that it's like, Hey, honey, we might not be able to trick or treat because it might be too snowy. Is like that's a nightmare scenario. I don't want that in my life. I want to just if it's if if the if the Chicago area wants to say, hey, it's November first, we're gonna fucking destroy you now with snow. That's uh-huh. cool, man. Fuck November. I don't care about November. That that don't mean nothing to me. <laughs> just leave me Halloween. Come on. And for me, Doug, it was even more psychotic because I was taking care of my mom recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had surgery. Flew back to the Philadelphia area to take care of her for a few days, and Philadelphia was experiencing a heat wave. I didn't bring enough shorts. I ran out of shorts while I was there because it was so fucking hot. It was boiling, and then I flew home. And the minute I get out of the airport, I'm like, <laughs> I have three shirts and a hoodie on, and it's not enough. Where are my coats? I need a coat. <laughs> it was a night. It was a night. I, that kind of fluctuation drives me crazy. In general, weather's weather. Who cares? But the idea that like I'm sweating my ass off, and now it's snowing on Halloween. It's too much. I don't like it. I'm mad at the world. I think we've all had this scenario where when we were younger and we were trick-or-treating where you had to wear a coat over sure. your yeah. costume. That's the worst, but very you know, very common, especially where I grew up uh, in Newfoundland. I also, once in Newfoundland, I went to Florida. for the once, I've only been to Florida one time ever. It was for my brother's wedding. And uh, I went in the middle of the the winter season in Newfoundland to the balmy Florida weather, and it was awful. Liam, I didn't like that transition whatsoever. Maybe I'm just a snowy guy. What do you think? I mean, that sounds right. You seem to be pretty happy up there in that hellish frozen (laughs) wasteland that you live in. Um, I will say, if you do live somewhere that gets cold around Halloween, think about cold costumes. Like, that's one of the things is like, don't be roller skating Barbie or roller skating Ken if you know it could snow. Be uh, the guy from the thing. Any any of them. They're all dressed pretty warm. That all works. So go go for something like that. Or uh, one year, uh, Maeve had a a zip up Sylvester, the cat outfit. (laughs) That shit was perfect. It was like an all-over fuzzy outfit. She was warm. It didn't matter. 
All right. Hey, Doug, this movie we're watching, <laughs> we watch for this. Project Kill. Here's the deal about Project Kill, y'all. We're going to get into all of the drugged up mayhem, but this is one of those movies that is, though they don't use the words CIA, you know what this is about. You know, mm. you know that this is a CIA movie. And I wanted to talk a little bit about CIA movies, comparing some of these crazy movies to like what actually the CIA did in the world and things like that. But I wanted to open up, Doug, with this question I had for you, which is uh, what is your favorite U.S. conspiracy movie featuring the company or the shop or whatever, whatever euphemism they're going to use for this organization in the United States that has caused so much chaos throughout the world? You know, I like conspiracy movies, sure. though sometimes they hit a little close to home. And also sometimes they get the ones that are based in reality, but also are not too close to the truth. Like, like I love JFK. I like watching it with the, the knowledge that a lot of it is fucking nonsense and a lot of it is just, you know, wackiness. And also living in the world in 2023 where conspiracy theories have gotten so ridiculously out of control. Yes, it yes. can feel it can feel a little, oh, this is feeding into that a bit in a way that it didn't maybe in 1991, or maybe it was, maybe I just wasn't hanging around with the right people. And I also like like an All the President's Men, right? Which is a conspiracy theory that actually is just, hey, that's just a conspiracy that happened. <laughs> Here it right. is. Yes, yes. I like that sort of thing. Though I have to say, and it's not a great movie, but one of my favorite conspiracy theory movies, and this does not play into your point at all, is Capricorn One, the uh, faking the Mars landing, obviously supposed to be like the moon landing, uh, a movie with uh, uh, James Brolin and Sam Watterson and O.J. Simpson and Telly Savalas and Elliot Gould. It has this amazing, amazing cast, and it's so fucking ridiculous from start to finish. <laughs> and I really just, I just like now. The, is it the, the company feeling? that's doing it? Is it the? Is it the 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 it's boys? Def there's definitely uh... the funnily enough, it, the shady. I can't remember the actor's name, and I'm a little embarrassed. But the the deep throat, the guy who played deep throat in All the President's Men, is in this oh. movie as well. But he's playing the government guy who is the one who is. Um, who was kind of at the head of the conspiracy and, and doing mm -hmm, all the bad mm -hmm. stuff, which is obviously kind of a play on the fact that he, he was known for that role. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it, it definitely has that tie into secret government organization that is wink, wink, you know, you know what we're talking about, but, uh, but I think generally unspoken, but uh, how about yours? Now tell me, I know that you're kind of a skeptic when it comes to things like the central intelligence agency. That's what it stands for, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their impact on the world. By the way, Liam, I know that, that you already have kind of jumped ahead on this a little bit, but William Girdler, the director of Project Kill, I was reading about his life yesterday a little bit. Sure. And he was like kind of tied in a little to this government uh, agency type stuff. And there was some, I think I was reading a suggestion that maybe he was murdered as opposed to died. Uh, he died in like mysterious circumstances. Right. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought you had in the notes that he was murdered before the movie was even... No, it was the head of the distribution company was murdered before right. the movie was put out. We'll get mm -hmm. into all that stuff. All right, okay. But yeah, I do think there's a lot sort of going on. So for me, there's two obvious choices which are The Parallax View uh -huh. and Three Days of the Condor. Sure. But two of the most fucking uh, paranoid movies you'd ever watch. And I do like paranoia films in general, but I like that those two are grounded somewhat, right? And also slightly fictionalized. And what's funny about the fictionalization is I'm sure the people writing this thought, well, we're making this a little ridiculous because it's a it's a you know, it's a fun movie. We want to make it more ridiculous. And then in retrospect, like not nearly 
fictionalized enough, like the fictionalized events of both Parallax View and Three Days of the Condor are far less embarrassing than the things that the CIA actually did, you know? Right. Like, right, so right. I, I fucking love that because they're thinking, hopefully we don't get in trouble for pushing the boundaries on our CIA movie. And then in reality, it's like, no, nah, the CIA guys are watching it going, fuck, we should have tried that. That might have worked. If we had done what they did in the movie, that might have worked out for us. Uh, I, I want to that put- idea, by the way, that that the CIA might be inspired by conspiracy thrillers, like to do more evil shit as opposed to yeah. taking the lesson. Yeah, it, it that absolutely has happened, and we know it has. But that is such a horrific thing. Oh yeah. To think about. Well, and so I want to point out Doug, what is not a good movie, but when this question comes up, I am inclined to say it's my favorite of these kind of movies, and that is Firestarter, a terrible film based off a mediocre book that I love. I love the book. I'm actually in love with the book. But the movie is really bad. But what I love about the movie is that it's ri- the movie comes across like, okay, this is obviously science fiction, y'all. Like, this is next level. Right. And what's funny about Firestarter that I think is emblematic of all these things, and what's really why I brought this up, is that the actual science fiction part of Firestarter is that it worked. <laughs> The idea that the CIA just <laughs> drugged up a bunch of people hoping some weird shit would happen, that turns out to be true. And the difference here is that in Firestarter, they at least have employed scientists to administer the drugs. Whereas in real life, they just employed criminals to dose random people for no reason with LSD and just hope that something would happen. And then, of course, it did. These people just went crazy or like basically had blunt force trauma to the head is is sort of the equivalent of what they had. It's like mm-hmm. crazy how much actual shit the CIA tried. In fact, the other thing I was going to ask you, Doug, is now I know your favorite fictionalized CIA sort of related stuff. <laughs> What's your favorite actual CIA story? What's your favorite thing that that the that the uh, the the monsters at the company tried uh, that just, you know, you either love it because it's awful or you love it because it's funny or because it's funny and awful. You know, I'm kind of lucky that I don't have to think of the CIA as being re- representative of my country. Yes. 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 <laughs> I mean, honestly, my favorite one, and it's probably a little bit of a cliche and, and maybe it looks, it makes the CIA look too good is the Argo thing that dramatized in the movie. Sure. Argo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And mostly because there is a Canadian <laughs> component to it because it was with the help of the Canadian government to make this kind of fake movie that, uh, that helped the, the, these hostages get, get away. Uh, it's definitely a simplified version of the truth when you watch the dramatized version of that movie. Yeah. But I just like the idea. It's like, so we need to be creative, right? We have to be creative in a way to make this happen and coming up with something that like no, no one in a million years would be like, yeah, let's go all the way with this. Let's put all these resources into it. But someone at the CIA was like, yeah, let's fucking do it. And they do it because they exist outside the law of reality and finance. Yeah. I think for me, it was when they tried to make... Um... They tried to aerosolize LSD, and they weren't sure if it was going to work. So they tested it in um, uh, black neighborhoods and parts of Europe where they thought there were too many leftists. So they just would shoot out this aerosoled LSD. This is your favorite? <laughs> yeah, because it's so – first of all, they it didn't occur to them to test this in a controlled environment. Yeah. Just because that's how you do science, Doug. That's the part is that these are a bunch of nerds who don't actually know how science works. And so they just do random shit. Like they would just uh, anyways, there there's a uh, whole bunch of stuff. I have to say like my, my my other one is is all the ways that the CIA tried to kill Fidel Castro, like the exploding oh, cigar. When they put the powder in his boots to make his beard fall out, that 
you know, the p- reason he's so powerful is his beard. So we need to make his beard fall out. It's fucking nuts. And so that's what I think is so funny about this movie because, Doug, I guarantee the people who made this movie, even if this guy was connected to the agency, whoever was involved in this movie beyond those people who might have had connections <laughs> thought the science fiction part of this movie was the group of deadly mercenaries or whatever being given psychotropic drugs to be killing machines. They were like, well, I'm sure we've done a lot of shady stuff, but this is silly. This is this is a, this is is an action film, but it's almost like a science fiction film. But then it turns out the science fiction part, Doug, is that it, it worked. That's the part that isn't true. Actually, whatever they do in this movie, it's true. They We did all kinds of shit like that. We tried all kinds of programming and shit. We even tried telepathy and shit. We tried everything we could do to make super soldiers, but none of it worked. Like That's the only part of all these movies that isn't true because all we did was just ruin a bunch of people's lives for no reason, and I think that's one of the, one of the joys of this movie for me. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Project Kill and about Leslie Nielsen as a, as a weapon of death action star. Uh, we'll be right back. You men have been carefully selected for this program because of a high-level performance in the battlefield and your high-level performance in physical endurance. But as your training progresses, you will gradually reach a point of acceptance where you will begin to surpass everything that you have ever done before. You will reach goals that you never dreamed possible. And to accomplish this, you will be given vitamins to increase your stamina, chemical injections to expand your mental capabilities, injections to assist you in both physical and mental control. You will be programmed to respond instantaneously to any given stimulus. You will become a reflex, but highly directed unit of force. You will be taught how to use everyday objects as weapons. Everything from a toenail clipping to a briefcase. Control. Control will be emphasized throughout your training. Control. Control is the A former government assassin flees a mind control program in the Philippines, pursued by his ex-partner, the local police, and Asian gangsters. It's 1976's Project Kill, uh, directed, as Doug already said, by William uh, Girdler, who apparently, uh, you said Doug is uh, a secret agent of the CIA. That's what you said. That's a fact. Um, He also directed (laughs) Asylum. That's what I read. I'm just saying (laughs) that's what I read. (laughs) He also directed such uh, classics, also probably connected to the CIA, as Asylum of Satan, Three on a Meat Hook, Zebra Killers. Uh, Abby, which I actually like Abby. This is I'm like, great. I, I didn't get, as you know, Doug, I didn't actually look at this full list ahead of time. And the first couple of movies, I'm like, ah, what the fuck, this guy? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait, Abby's good. Oh, wait, Sheba Baby's good. Oh, wait, I like Grizzly. Okay, never mind. This guy's kind of cool. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, oh, also Day of the Animals. Uh, Grizzly was one of the top 10 grossing pictures in the United States in 1976. Weirdly, not Project Kill. That's weird, huh? And his final <laughs> film, to me... Uh, the only underrated because it's so racist, The Manitou, uh, was made in 1977 and released a few weeks after his death. Isn't it, sorry, isn't it impossible to think that when you watch this movie, 
which yeah. whatever we are going to say about it is very rough around the fucking edges to say oh, the very least. Oh, for sure. But the idea that then he would follow it up, like his very next movie would be a Jaws ripoff that is one of the highest grossing movies in America. That's that's impossible to consider. <laughs> I mean, I would suggest, uh, granted, I have a taste for trash, as you know, Doug, that other people probably don't appreciate. But to me, now that I know that this motherfucker made Abby, Sheba Baby, Grizzly, and the Manitou, a movie I've defended despite its intense racism many, many times. Because if you just look past the racism, it's a pretty fun movie. Um, <laughs> Is that what you like to do with movies? You know, I was no, actually. <laughs> but that's Birth it. of a Nation. Should we get onto that one next? <laughs> no, it's just it's just funny to me because I think people defend a lot of movies that are racist. But I'm like, but the Manitou's kind of fun, guys. Come on. Um, uh, no, but like, I think all of those movies have something to them. Whereas this movie, not do I, not only do I have trouble believing he directed this movie, I have trouble believing this movie's from 1976. Like, this feels like the shittiest late 60s bad idea movie we've watched in a while on this mm. show, which this is our Vic Diaz show, guys. We watch a lot of shitty movies on this one. <laughs> And, you know, that's not to say Vic Diaz isn't amazing at all of them. We'll get to him later. But uh, we've watched some real stinkers. And this is, you know, despite some moments that I found charming beyond belief because of how ridiculous they were. <laughs> overall, this is an unbelievably uh, poorly made movie in a lot of ways. And thinking, like, what is this about? Was this just he needed money? He wanted a vacation in the Philippines? He wanted to work with Vic Diaz? I don't fucking know. But the reality is... Uh, considering how strongly this movie is placed in the... Well, we're going to get to all that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm getting distracted. I'm getting to the meat of the issue. We're not even finished. The, the movie was written by uh, Galen Thompson, who wrote horror films like 1978's The Evil, 1982's Superstition, which I actually really like. Me too. Uh, 1991's The Hitman, Sidekicks, Hellbound, uh, and was worked on Walker, Texas Ranger. I get the feeling, if you ever met Chuck Norris, you probably worked on Walker, Texas Ranger for a while. Yeah, but like uh, those movies, those the Hitman, Sidekicks, and Hellbound are all Chuck Norris movies. I guess yeah. it's it's like this big break. Eighty two, he made Superstition. This huge break, like ten years later, he like hooks up with Chuck Norris. Is like I'm in the Chuck Norris business. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> and like, it was a profitable business, I guess. So, uh, yes. movie stars Leslie Nielsen, improbably as John Trevor, the killer old man. Uh, Gary Lockwood as Frank Lasseter, his former partner. Nancy Kwan as the really strangely deployed uh, love interest. Uh, Vic Cillian as the Chief Inspector Cruz, Vic Diaz as Alok Lee, uh, then Galen Thompson, Carlos Salazar, Pamela Parsons, a bunch of other people. Who cares? Yeah, that's Galen Thompson, the writer, by the way. He's also right. an actor right. in this. Yeah. Right. Uh, so apparently the head of the company originally set to distribute the film, we mentioned this earlier, yep. was found murdered shortly before it was set to go into international release. It received spotty distribution because the rights were tied up in legal wrangling over the victim's estate for several years. Doug... Was this movie so close to the truth that the company took him out? They sent their own real-life Leslie Nielsen to murder him. What do you think, Doug? I mean, look, that sounds ridiculous, right? When you say it like that, that does sound ridiculous. But the fact is that um, in 1978, you know, William Girdler also died in a mysterious helicopter crash in the Philippines. And this does come from some version of reality where yes. there's, like you were mentioning before... Maybe just the idea that people were making movies based on that kind of conspiracy was enough for someone to be like, they're getting a little too close, or maybe they're investigating things that are too close, or they're making audiences think about things that we don't want them to think about, and they were like, well, let's just uh, let's just take care of this little problem. Or it's, maybe it was some for, for, 
fucking some sort of fucking financial thing where it's... oh 100 i mean we all know the mafia is involved in so many of these shitty movies at this time so that's a possibility too i will say the fact that this movie is not worth killing over actually makes this more believable because i could really believe the caa was stupid enough to be like i don't know i heard there's like killer guys in the philippines in it fuck we have a killer guy in the philippines program i guess we gotta kill this guy i don't know what if it gets out we will we'll, we'll kill him Right before international distribution. That'll be very effective. <laughs> Should we make it look like an accident? No, just shoot him in the head. It's fine. No, nobody cares. It doesn't matter. Speaking of things that don't matter, Doug, what did you think of Project Kill, which apparently was originally titled Project Kill F-134, which is an even dumber name than Project Kill? Go ahead. It is a dumber name. Project Kill is a particularly silly name, though. Like, awful that's a name. very, very awful, silly stupid name. name. Yes. Though it is one I am able to remember, so I suppose that that is a point in its favor. Uh, I did not generally like it very much because basically the entire middle 45 minutes is very boring. <laughs> As Leslie Nielsen is on the run and he's forming a relationship with Nancy Kwan's character, but who gives, who could possibly give a fuck about it? And also you spend so much time with Gary Lockwood's character. I was kind of like, I like the idea. So so just to set it up for people who, who haven't seen this, which would be almost everybody, I would think. Leslie Nielsen is the guy who runs this program of creating super soldiers with drugs, you know, for the US government. But he stopped taking his own drugs and he started to see the light. He's like, we're just creating assassins here. I need to leave this program. And Gary Lockwood is his number one in command. He's like, you're not going anywhere. I'm going to tell on you. And Lizzie Nielsen, he takes off, and they send Gary Lockwood to try to track him down and kill him. That's the whole plot of the movie, except also while Gary Lockwood is on is, is trying to track down Lizzie Nielsen's character, he also starts to have some doubts about it. And as, uh, as Lizzie Nielsen says in his dying breath, <laughs> spoiler alert, now they're going after you instead. Uh, I will say, Liam, I like the first... 15 minutes and I like the last 15 minutes quite a bit and there are parts every time that there was kind of a ridiculous action scene there's one that takes place on a train where a guy has a grenade that that Gary Lockwood he pushes him into the bathroom Oh, he pulls the pin on the grenade, throws it in, and then puts a piece of, like, a suitcase between him and the door so it explodes. I did like that very much. And there is a couple of quote-unquote kung fu scenes in the movie that I found very, very entertaining. But I will say that this is a movie that um, thinks it's a lot more dramatic than it actually is. And seems to have kind of, like, serious matters on its mind while also being just completely ludicrous at all times. And the real highlight for me outside of those moments I just said, is the performance of Vic Diaz. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. Yeah, I think um, I was certain, Doug, even before we watched the film, that this I was going to hate this movie. Yeah. Par- par- <laughs> partly because it's hard for me, and this is my own bias. We've talked about this before on other shows, that I am, when it comes to a lot of the history of this thing that I supposedly love, movies, I'm a bit ignorant. So the idea that I'm supposed to think of Leslie Nielsen as a serious action star, even in this period where a lot of sad old men were serious action stars, it's hard for me to go along with. And then the reality that serious Leslie Nielsen and seriously campy Leslie Nielsen really fucking close. They're really fucking close, Doug. They're really, really close in vibes. So like I'm watching this thing going, I know I'm supposed to like not be distracted by this, but I'm a little distracted by this. And yet I did find this movie weirdly charming even though it's bad, like it's 
the writing is bad. The sure. dialogue is bad. The action, though, I got to agree with you, is amusingly bad. It's fun <laughs> how bad it is, especially because, like, it'd be one thing if you just see these guys taking out one or two dudes. These men are killing machines, and they cannot touch their toes, right? Like, they are the <laughs> stiffest most non-liquid moving guy. If you saw one of these men at your local gym doing the moves that they're doing in this movie, you'd say, oh, buddy, you got to gotta do some yoga, man. You got to do some stretches. What are you doing, man? Like, it's, I'm supposed to believe someone's throwing a deadly kung fu kick and they, they their knee is still bent and it's, like, not uh-huh. above their waist. No, man, it's that. this is the kind of movie it is. And I think I usually hate that, but this movie is so certain that what it's showing you is so badass and you're going to be so impressed by it that, like, I don't know, Doug, I found it charming. I found a lot of this movie charming, and yet by the time it's over, I think it's pretty bad. <laughs> and, and that's what's weird about it is that this is one of those movies – we say this a lot, that the that at least for, I say a lot. I don't know where you're at with this, Doug, but I tend to not agree with this whole so bad it's good thing. Right, right, of course. Sometimes things are bad in a way that's entertaining, and that might be good for you. But this idea that something's so shitty, it's its its this whole way to dismiss something that you actually enjoy. And so I want to name that a lot of this movie is enjoyable. It's just I wish there was more of that stuff to overcome the clunkiness, to overcome... There's a lot of like really shitty machismo in this movie that really is just <laughs> doesn't need to be there. Uh and there's just too much of like me having to ogle Leslie Nielsen and pretend that like I mean no wrong he's in shape I'm not trying he to certainly body is. that scene where he has his, his shirt off like after he had sex with Nancy Kwan I'm like dude is in his fifties and he's he's looking yeah. pretty good but it's not sexy though Doug and this is the thing like he there is a his relationship with Nancy Kwan is supposed to be this like kind of hot steamy thing in the movie <laughs> and they have no chemistry they might as well be in separate rooms it's really awkward and weird to his, his initial infatuation with her which is just like uh like he just he's supposed to be like uh, heading out of this entire country in right. like a couple of days and he's like he sees her and he's like hey maybe we could spend some time together and she's like i'd really like that and then later in that evening she's sitting alone at a dinner table and she was like i was hoping someone would come along it's just like dude what the fuck is going on well it's, it's so stupid you expect her to betray him right she's got to be a I, plan. I thought at the end she was going to be like i'm a, i'm the head of the secret police here or something like that but no no reveal whatsoever everything having to do and look d- please listeners don't take this the wrong way anything having to do with a woman in this movie is awful it just is it all really- of, the the woman who is with with uh, uh, Gary Lockwood's, that's his name, right? Well, let me say, yeah, the woman yeah. who's with Gary Lockwood's character, Frank Lasseter, I don't even know what she's supposed to be. She just no. disappears. No, and and all he does is insult her, and then she hits him, yes. and then he kisses her, and of course that's fine, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. It's every part of the gender dynamics in the in the film. And granted, I understand. I'm not trying to be some uptight teetotaler here. I know we come across as like the most. Uh, I don't know, wokest woke people. I was going to say politically correct. And I was like, wait, it's not the 90s anymore. Uh, <laughs> I know we come across like that vibe, but there's a lot of movies I like that are pretty gritty and salacious, right? It's not that. It's not that. It's just that these men are shitty to all the women around them, and they like are stoked on it, I guess. like The, the women don't exist as characters, and it's so it's like distracting in the movie. And that's where I'm like, oh, come on. And yet... 
every time one of these dumb old white men starts to beat people up, I'm kind of stoked, man. <laughs> something about it kind of is very amusing. Now, I, I, I have I have a thing here to talk about CIA conspiracy films. We already did that, which is, yeah. but I want to highlight about this movie. It's so funny to me, Doug, that the most stupid thing about this movie is that these old men are killing machines, but like the part where they're at a secret school, they might as well be at the school of the Americas, right? Like we have things like this. Yeah, yeah. We probably have things like this that are less well known than the school of the Americas. Like we train people to be deadly killers all the time. And I do kind of like that part of Leslie Nielsen leaving that program though, is that his, the guy he's with is like, well, if you want to go back to life, you'll have to be deprogrammed. And he's like, I yeah. won't be deprogrammed. I'm like, <laughs> wait, why not? That sounds good. What are we talking about here? I don't understand. So well, because Leslie Nielsen's character has not been deprogrammed and he hasn't been weaned off of this super soldier serum that he's uh-huh, on, uh-huh. he gets like moments of violence and it, it it doesn't actually go anywhere he gets like headaches and shit like that but the biggest moment is when nancy kwan tries to wake him when he's yes. sleeping and he like punches her in the stomach and goes ah and then he immediately apologizes because he can't help himself but it's just like why doesn't he have like moments of like extreme erratic right. violence but he just he, doesn't he, he looks like he's gonna lose his shit a lot but i mean honestly this is the thing with the limits of leslie nielsen as an actor i think he's supposed to look like he's straight up about to lose his mind and it really looks like he has a bad headache Multiple times in the movie, he, like, grips his head like he has a bad headache. And I think we're supposed to think, oh, no, he's about to turn into a murder machine. But it just looks like he has a bad headache. Also, if you want to vibe on the martial arts in this movie, any movie where someone's about to hit someone by gripping their two hands together and bringing them down like an axe handle, you know the martial arts is bad, right? Like, cause that's not a real thing that you do in a, in a real fight. And he's about to do that multiple times in this movie. I want to talk a little bit about, because of doing this Fick Diaz podcast, we have seen a variety of films that interact with the Philippines as a location, as a place to be. And I got to say, as a location, this is, weirdly enough, one of the more serious movies we've seen in taking the Philippines seriously as a place, as a place that has its own sovereignty, as a place that maybe doesn't want uh, American killers wandering around killing people. Like, it, it really exists, even while this is mostly a U.S.-focused movie that mm-hmm. doesn't really give a fuck about Filipino people. Talk a little bit about that, Doug. Like, how is this different than other movies we've seen in this Vic Diaz world that use the Philippines but don't really talk about the Philippines? Well, uh, yeah, the, one of the major differences is that this movie is explicitly set in the Philippines as opposed to trying to be, you know, say it's some other place, you know, whether it's Hong Kong or, or, or even America sometimes, as we've seen. But you're right. You do see a lot of uh, Filipino people in the background, I mean, look, they're the main characters are all white men. Even the the uh, lead female is a Chinese American woman, not a Filipino actress. Uh, but the way that the police, the Filipino police, are handled, I think, is really interesting in the movie, where they're like, "Look, we have an obligation to help you, but it would be really great if you told us what the fuck was going on with this guy, you know, who who a super soldier murdering people on the street, and 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 the kind of." reticence that they have in regards to everything that's going on is i think one of the more interesting parts of the movie it makes them feel independent they're not just like tagging along to whatever the americans say and i wish there was a little bit more of that but that's not really you know it is still a backdrop it is still supposed to be like a jet setting maybe james bondish place to to set this story but we all know that the reason that they made this movie in the philippines is because it was cheaper, and that's why he was still William Girdler died in the Philippines because he was yeah, still yeah. making movies. Liam, have you ever seen Day of the Animals, the the William Girdler movie? No, I haven't actually. That also has Leslie Nielsen in it. There's a part in that movie where he rips his shirt off and wrestles a bear 
uh, like it's amazing. So, um, but but uh, what? Just going back to what you were saying before, in any serious scene between Nancy Kwan and Leslie Nielsen, it's impossible not to think of him doing like a parody of that scene yes. from like the Naked yes. Gun. It's it's just he is not a bad actor. He did, he isn't. He did so much work in like the fifties and sixties, and he did like Columbo episodes and the seventies. Lots of TV work. He is a very professional actor. But I will say retroactively especially once his hair started turning like gray and white like it is in this movie uh it's impossible to take him seriously in those kind of scenes well that's why i wanted to highlight for people before people start being mean to us on facebook by us i mean me on facebook about leslie nielsen i am admitting that i have a limited i'm largely ignorant of him as an actor beyond the humorous stuff so i'm not saying that but i am saying it is hard the movie it doesn't give him a lot to do that I think would highlight some of some of his abilities. And so he ends up coming across very stiff for a man on the verge of losing his mind. <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's on the verge of losing. Again, that that's what makes besides the violence against women, the scene that makes it, the 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 reason the scene with Nancy Kwan stands out is partly because that's one of the few scenes where he seems to be losing control a little bit. Right. The rest of the movie, he just keeps going, control. And that's it. That's how we know that he's trying to be in control. I also want to mention here, you, you talked about him wrestling a bear, which I think is amazing, and now I'm going to try to see that movie. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Leslie Nielsen as an unleashed weapon of death? Now, to be fair, he is an instructor by this point in, yes. in the movie, so he's not supposed to be a field agent. But he is sharp enough still that he does a lot of ass kicking in this movie. Do you feel like he works as a unhinged death dealer uh, working for the company in this movie? <laughs> the difficulty here is that Gary Lockwood's character is just as stiff and almost as old looking as Leslie Nielsen's character. What they needed was a young person as a counterpoint, right? Someone who I agree. Yeah. Right, was, would look like an actor. You know, Gary Lockwood was like an ex-stuntman. I mean, he was legitimately a very tough man. Um, and, and, you know, even though physically he does look very stiff in this movie because he's so bulky, I, they just, they're too similar in how they move. Um, and that, that makes the movie less fun than it should be. Just going back to your actual question, though, no, Leslie Nielsen is not a very believable ass kicker because he is also like mostly beating up, you know, thin, lithe, very flexible Filipino yes. stuntmen yes. who are like flying all over the place for him and making him. Sp- but all of his movements are, you know, they they have to involve kicks because that was the era of people kicking people because of martial arts movies. But like. Leslie Nielsen kicking someone is not the most believable <laughs> way. But like you were saying before, the way that William Girdler shoots action and edits action, it's not like a kung fu movie or a martial arts movie, but it is interesting. And it does have these like very dramatic, like big uppercuts and big like people club. You know what it reminds me of is like um, the fights in the old Star Trek 60s series, sure, right? Where yeah. it, it is almost kind of cartoonish, but it actually is also very entertaining at the same time because mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. feel that there is a physicality to it. But yeah, it's a it 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 is some interesting casting. I do like the idea, by the way, that there is you know that he is an older man, that he is someone right. who was in control of right. this program and is breaking free from it because of he sees all the harm that he's done. But the but yeah, they definitely needed like a younger guy, a young, very charismatic guy to be chasing after. Well, and one of the things I thought, Doug. Not to encourage crossovers between our different sort of shows here. <laughs> this should have been a George Kennedy movie. <laughs> I think George Kennedy in the Leslie Nielsen role 
this movie fucking rules because a he's so much bigger than everyone you believe that even though he's not that flexible mm. he could smash a guy through a wall or through a table or some shit he could play I'm losing my mind really fucking well you know like he'd be out there and you kind of I think Leslie Nielsen's character is not just tough he's sad and melancholy you're supposed to feel sympathy for him and I'm, I don't I wouldn't say it he falls entirely short of that but George Kennedy is this sort of like <laughs> mournful giant who's like I don't want to be a, a hired murderer anymore I just want to live my life that would have been to that because we we've, we've, we've seen him play like soldiers and yes. military men yes. a bunch of times and police officers yeah you know what someone who's pushing back against that and is just like I you know I have seen the the reality of what I'm yeah you're right that would be a very interesting way but you'd still have to end up in a big one-on-one meaty men slapping meat mm-hmm, fight at the mm-hmm. very end well and that's how I, that, that was my next thing here Gary, you mentioned Gary Lockwood is, is an established sort of uh, a stuntman you know he, he knows what he's doing there is an extended fight at the end between Gary Lockwood and Leslie Nielsen and so maybe I would be less <laughs> Uh, hard on these guys for their martial arts. Again, not that those scenes aren't shot well, not that they're not entertaining, but this fight is like the climax of a kung fu movie. It's so long, and it even involves a very extended slow motion shot as kind of the (laughs) climax of the thing. And so I just had to ask you, Doug, how did you feel about this old man fight scene at the end of the movie? Was it a good sort of climax of the movie for you, either dramatically or just as a viewer, you know? It... For much of the movie, I was wondering why we kept spending so much time with Gary Lockwood's character, who is ostensibly the bad guy, right? Because Leslie Nielsen is supposed to be the good guy on the run. It's not like The Fugitive, where you're like, well, the, you know, the people searching for him don't know that he's innocent. So, of course, right. they yeah, have yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know, a dog in the fight and that sort of thing. But then, as Gary Lockwood, you get the sense that he is starting to, you know, he stopped taking his drugs, so he starts to see things as they really are. And he's supposed to be more sympathetic. But to me, he's not because he's still acting like an asshole to everyone he runs into, even the people who uh, who are ostensibly supposed to be helping him, like the cops and that, that woman who, unfortunately, I don't even remember her name. She is such a non-entity in the movie. So I didn't like the characters, but I did enjoy the fight simply because when do you ever see fights like that, right? Mm-hmm. These two guys who are... Again, supposed to be trained assassins who are supposed to be ultimate killing machines, doing their best to look tough, but most of it is just them posing and just like walloping each other. And Leslie Nielsen really doesn't even like do very well in the fight. He basically loses the entire time, uh, which is also pretty funny. And also, I thought the fight was over like three times. Yeah. And and then it just keeps going. And as you were saying, then it ends basically with this ultra slow motion scene or sequence of Gary Lockwood. Uh, like using the the palm of his hand to b- shove Leslie Nielsen's nose bone into his brain yep. and kill him, yep. Yep. slowly kill him. Yep. And and in a way, this fight is kind of a metaphor for the whole movie, Doug, because a <laughs> it's unsatisfying as a fight, but b it's kind of satisfying as a culmination of a trend through the whole movie. Like that, these two awkward old men are going to fight. Kind of, it's like the whole movie. But then c it would be a lot more satisfying if that slow motion scene didn't also feature the audio of him yelling "haya" in slow motion. <laughs> and I realized like, oh, I would actually love this as like a dramatic climax. Like I actually think it's very fulfilling in a lot of ways. It's ruined by this white man slowly going, yeah. don't say hi-ya, white guy. Just don't do it. You don't need to do it. No one needs to hear. You're not even doing anything related to martial arts. You're just smashing a guy's nose in. 
Don't say hi And certainly don't do it if you're going to use the audio from the slow motion so that it's drawn out in this ridiculous <laughs> way. That choice, that one little choice, basically makes that fight uh, farce. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been silly but fun and whatever but then that choice i was like no the movie's stupid it's a stupid movie um <laughs> we're gonna talk now about vic diaz in a second because that's why we're here is vic diaz and we haven't really uh-huh. touched on his character but in order to understand his character one of the things we need to mention is this kind of is he a try is he supposed to be a triad guy doug i don't really understand this I'm- part of the movie <laughs> which is like i guess he's interested in the super soldier program which don't get it confused guys these are not super soldiers like captain america they're just <laughs> they're just assassins who've been so drugged up and mind controlled that they're good at killing people i guess but for whatever reason vic diaz's character who i think might be involved with chinese mafia triad stuff i don't fucking understand any of it he wants leslie nielsen because he wants the program or something like that right are all of his men supposed to be chinese that's what i don't understand i i, I felt like they said i in my brain i think i think you're right i think he is supposed to be chinese in the movie even though uh he's vic diaz uh, but uh-huh. his men boy that's they look very filipino to me uh, which they are. They're a Filipino stuntman yeah. for the most part. Except, so except, for, except for the love interest, everyone in the movie. You know what I mean? Like all those extra characters, they're all Filipino, right? Yeah. Like she's the one Chinese person. But they say Chinese crime interests. Yeah, that's right. And so that's to right. me, that's who he's supposed to be. But what does he need Leslie Nielsen for? Like he gets the drugs. That's the part I don't understand. He gets the drugs from what's his name's room because he yeah, sucks. Gary Lockwood's room. Gary Lockwood. No, we don't. We don't see them actually. Like we see him tap his phone, and but it feels like there are scenes missing in terms of because oh we, yeah, we see we see Gary Lockwood on the phone like talking to his big leader who's like obviously like a, a really scummy guy just telling him to go and get yeah. this job done faster yeah. and faster. He's like he he's like oh I lost my drugs and I can't take my drugs and they're like does that mean that you've also lost your briefcase? He's like, uh, yeah, I lost my briefcase as well. And then I didn't even realize that was supposed to be that big of a deal until it's brought up later. It's like, we have the briefcase. Why does why the fuck does Leslie Nielsen care about the briefcase? He doesn't care. Why would he even know there was a briefcase? Here's, here's, here's what I need from you, Doug. Before we get into Victius's performance, <laughs> do you think this subplot, besides giving us lots of random people to get beat up, does this subplot do anything for the actual narrative or not? It it does only in the sense that it adds an actual element of danger to the Gary Lockwood side of things because he's constantly being attacked by people, right? And there's also someone always one step ahead of him in trying to search for Leslie Nielsen's character who are already, like, you know, killing the people who are trying to help Leslie Nielsen and things like that. My un, My lack of understanding comes from the final reveal, which you've already mentioned, Vic Diaz and all of his men, what they want isn't either of these men. They want the knowledge that they have about the program. They want to basically create their own program. So, yeah, they need the drugs from the the suitcase. That makes sense to me. And they also need the men who know how to teach it. But that could be either of those two men. They could get Gary Lockwood's character, right? They don't need Leslie Nielsen specifically. Uh, So either of them, they could be. But they seem to be trying to kill Gary Lockwood's character. And, like... (laughs) The 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 trade off at the end at the end that they try to make with Leslie Nielsen that a we will not kill your girlfriend and we will give you a boat as long as you you know t- why would he go for that they just kill everybody that they run mm-hmm, into mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. glee it's just really hard to believe 
that uh, they ever thought that this plan was going to work. But I do like that idea, even though we don't know what nationality that necessarily it's going to be for. Some country, they want a super soldier program. They're going to need to kidnap the person that just escaped from the program because they hated it so much to help them run it. I mean, yeah. That aspect of the story to me, again, very useful. We need both of our old white men to beat up random people for no reason. (laughs) And we get the whole thing of the fight we we haven't really mentioned it, but there's Leslie Nielsen has this contact who has you know also served time served time served uh, in the armed forces and is now uh, in a wheelchair and you get the feeling that part of Leslie Nielsen's frustration with the whole U.S. military project is he feels like this friend has not been treated well and then there's this other guy who's there I don't quite understand the other gentleman who's there who's both a helper and a bodyguard maybe and you do get this incredible fight scene where uh the guy in the, in the wheelchair and this other gentleman get to kick some ass and that was actually pretty cool too in a way you know like that whole scene was 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 pretty intense i like that suggestion that lizzie nielsen has this big history of people right. that he has encountered right. yes. and that, you know that that like him and that he's able to you know that that's the more the james bondian type thing where it's 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 he's he's uh trading in on all of the favors mm. that he's done over the years. But you're I right. Was, you know what's funny? You brought up James Bond because you're classier than me. I was thinking of Patch, you know, Wolverine's alter ego in Magical. <laughs> I was literally thinking of, of Leslie Nielsen as Patch. <laughs> I often think I, th- I often think Madripoor is some sort of racist combination of Hong Kong and the Philippines, and so when I was thinking of Leslie Nielsen as having all these connections people don't know about, I'm like, oh, like Patch. So like yeah, well, Logan Leslie Nielsen, like Wolverine, is Canadian. So, I mean, there maybe there is a connection. There. Oh, speaking of, by the way, if evils your government has perpetrated, <laughs> let's, let's talk about Department H and what you did to Logan. How about that? <laughs> it's easy to point the finger when you don't think about Logan. Hey, okay, if, if, I have, if I have ever given the impression on any of our shows that I think the Canadian government is anything but <laughs> <laughs> extremely evil, yeah, yeah, then yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's not just in the Marvel Universe, in the real world as well. Yes, 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 yes. Anyways, yeah, that, that whole plot is just, it gives us some fun things, and I do like some aspects of it, but it doesn't make sense. There's no, I don't really get it as a point, and to use it as the climax just felt like a bit of a distraction, but soon we get to the big old man fight, and that's sort of what matters. However, it is the reason that we have, uh, the reason we do this show in the movie, Mr. Vic Diaz as Alok Lee. Uh, what did you think of his performance in this role, Doug? First, I have to say, how nice was it to see in the opening credits that Vic Diaz gets a special credit Yes. As a special guest star, which, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen that. No. But there's a recognition that this guy is being brought in to bring some life to the proceedings. And I love that. And I love that he is speaking with his own voice. Agreed. I love that he is, you know, he is the big baddie. Of, like, because there's there's kind of, uh, they're all tweeners in this movie because Gary Lockwood's character isn't supposed to be so bad. The big baddie of the movie is Vic Diaz and his army of men who enjoy killing a lot. Uh, so yeah, he's great. He's he's very evil. He is uh, unequivocally a piece of shit, which I love. And also, he is cowardly. So when things go bad at the very end, he has to beg for his life until he is beaten to death, which is just beautiful. I love this. It was. It's not a large part. He only he doesn't even show up. I think until like uh, forty minutes into the movie, and then he just shows up sporadically right up until the end. But he has that great moment at the end with Leslie Nielsen trying to talk him into coming out, and everything after that is so terrific. So yeah, this is a. 
high level Vic Diaz performance we have here. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I've come to appreciate about this show, Doug, is that uh, we don't always get a lot of Vic, right? But the nope. point of the show is that he is our guide. And he has guided us to some amazing <laughs> movies, and he's guided us to some terrible movies. And what we've been guided to today, even though it's not a lot of him, it's, it is a great performance, and I, and I agree with you. I, I do think that part of what this movie maybe is is meant to be cashing in on a few different like sort of notorious B movies that Vic Diaz has been in, you know, but those are mostly exploitation movies. Yeah. And a part of what I found charming about this movie is that I don't watch a lot of low budget kind of uh, uh, this kind of movie that aren't also exploitation movies. And while this movie is not respectful either to the women or to the non-white characters in its, in its, you know, in its context, it's still not an exploitation movie. Not really. Not in I mean, the sense it, it, of... You're exactly right. I mean, even the sex scene we only see the next day. There's no nudity. There's, right. The only violence we see is really immediately after the violence occurs. There's a couple of bloody scenes, but it's just bloody corpses. And maybe I've just watched so much stuff that is cynically exploitation and enjoyed it. I'm not judging those movies per se, but I've gotten so used to that that maybe part of my charm was how weirdly innocent this movie yeah. is and mm-hmm. how the movie really kind of sells itself as a tragedy, right? Like, this is supposed to be a tragic story. Now, the ethics of that are so fucking confused. If they had Leslie Nielsen kill even one innocent person in this movie, I think this whole story would have made more sense because right. then it's like... Mm-hmm then it's like the Frank Lasseter character is a little more complicated because he's trying to stop Leslie Nielsen because Leslie Nielsen has the potential to go unhinged and murder everyone. But we never get that. Leslie Nielsen mostly rules in this movie. I mean, he sucks, but he rules in the sense of like he only kills bad people. He doesn't, except for... Unfortunately, turning violent against you know one of the few female characters in the movie, which is you know gross in its sense, in its in its own way, he's mostly not a bad dude in the movie, which is not really I think what the movie is supposed to be about. Right. And so I think that's that's, right. that's why it gets confusing. <laughs> really, is that right. if he had killed any innocent people, this movie would have made a little more sense. But but because he doesn't, you're just left going. Well, fuck Frank Lasseter. Why do I care about this guy? He sucks, you know. As as opposed to being, these are a bunch of people who might we might not love them, but there are stakes at play. Uh, so the tragedy of it all is maybe what is bad about the movie, but also is kind of charming in its innocence. What I love about it, though, when it comes to Vic Diaz and why I think it was worth saying all that stuff, Vic <laughs> Diaz is still coming in this from a from a exploitation movie yeah Vic Diaz is walking off set from the big bird cage or from whatever other movie he's in where he's like torturing people or being a real real you know shit heel or whatever it is he's walking in this movie and it's like he's bringing the vibe that the rest of this movie is lacking and I very much appreciate him for that and I think that though it does feel like he's from a different movie it actually makes the movie better and it and it, and it really made the movie more entertaining even though at the end of the day I didn't love watching this movie, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we referred to, you know, his nickname as the Filipino Peter Laurie. And in this movie, that's what he really fulfills yes, that role yes. as the weird guy coming in and being evil. You're right. It doesn't really fit into uh, the, the the tone of the rest of it, but it does kind of bring it to life a little. And right. the main thing is when the movie is over, you realize that the real enemy, the real bad guy of this movie isn't Vic Diaz. It's the U.S. government, which is, oh I mean, yes. like, that, that's a good lesson to take away. And, and I do think that's one of the, positives of the movie that I wasn't sure we were going to get because 
there's almost a sense at the beginning where maybe we're going to defend this secret school of assassins and make yeah. it seem not so bad. Yeah. And I love that the movie ends with, no, all of this is bad. And I think that <laughs> is probably why they, you know, killed the distributor. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, on our next episode, Doug, we're going to be talking about 1978's Fighting Mad, also known as Death Force, which is, I think, a little bit more where I've heard of this movie that you've included in our notes, this poster, Death Force poster. I've uh-huh. seen this poster before. So I think that's uh, uh, why it's familiar to me. It says, an American Vietnam soldier on his way home is left for dead and is saved by a pair of Japanese stragglers from World War II who train him in the way of the samurai. Wow, man, like that sounds probably kind of <laughs> racist, but also maybe good. Uh, I, I will say I am leaning that it might be racist because uh, Vic Diaz is credited on in this movie as Chinaman. Chinaman. So, so yeah. I'm not sure that I love that, but we'll see. Again, this movie is about the journey that Vic Diaz is taking us on, and sometimes we love where we go, and sometimes we don't. So we'll see what happens. Join us next time for that. Doug, if people are interested in more, not just Vic Diaz adventures, but other cinematic adventures featuring the two of us, where can they find some of that? Uh, before I, I tell you that, I should mention that that movie, Fighting Mad, stars James Aylehart from Savage, the the same yes. lead as Savage. Uh, yes. So, I mean, we have some history with him. We always thought that he deserved more. Well, we'll get to see. I agree. I, I had a VHS copy of Death Force under the title Fighting Mad uh, when I was a teenager. I watched it. I can remember very little about it. But if you want to check out more episodes of Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz or some other wonderful podcast, you can always find the latest episode over at Cinepunks.com, which also has lots of other wonderful podcasts and some terrific writing. We've just finished up our Cineween season, all devoted to the uh, wonderful, spooky movies of that period. Uh, we're unfortunately past that now, but there's still lots of stuff you can go back and check out, including themed episodes of various podcasts, including Cinema Smorgasbord. If you want to check out the whole archive of Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz, go over to Cinemasmorgasbord.com, where we also have our archives of all of our other Cinema Smorgasbord-themed podcasts, including ones devoted to such diverse topics as the career of Jackie Chan, George Kennedy, Dick Miller, Paul Bartel, Alejandro Jodorowsky, all that, Carol Kane, Steven Sammy, all that and more over at cinemasmorgasbord.com or on Twitter at cinemasmorg, S-M-O-R-G. You can also find uh, Liam in various social networks. Uh, where can you be found these days, Liam? Uh, Instagram. Uh-huh. Uh, Anyone can just follow you there? Anyone can just anywhere? I, I guess so. I don't fucking know, man. Uh, Blue Sky, I guess. Look, forget about me. Just go find Cinepunks. Cinepunks is on uh, Blue Sky, Twitter, uh, though I don't know if anyone's updating Twitter at this point. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, you know, whatever. I mean, come on. Look. Most people I know either have given up on social media or on Instagram. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's just what it is. So, uh, you know, you do you. I, I love you either way. Uh, I'm on Blue Sky. You can find me at Doug Tilly at whatever the rest of the stuff is. Just look for Doug Tilly, T-I-L-L-E-Y. And I'm tearing it up over there, Liam. Not that anyone's going to care when all of this shit falls apart in the next yeah, year. Yeah, 100%, so. 100%. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. Please, if you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend. Check us out. We also have a Discord. Uh, go ahead and hit us up on socials, and we'll get you the link to the Discord where we have conversations, updates, uh, maybe we'll do some uh, other things going on over there. Uh, but above all else, we hope you'll join us here next time and that you'll have a great night. Good night, everyone. Good night.